0: Hey guys, welcome back to the O Word Podcast. It's your host, Corey Elijah, and today's podcast is a great one. We have another special guest for you guys, Danny Villanueva Jr. He's a Mexican-American screenwriter slash director from Chicago, Illinois. He studied digital filmmaking and video production at the Art Institute of Wisconsin in Milwaukee. In 2012, he launched a horror-themed web channel, How Bizarre, which featured short films, mini documentaries, and bite-sized cartoons. In 2017, the channel evolved into an independent film production company, How Bizarre Pictures, and I Dream of a Psycho-Pomp is Villanueva's feature-length directorial debut. It was nice to catch up with Danny. We haven't spoken in such a long time, but it was great to reconnect, get into his past, get into the the film that's going to be released later on in the year or early next year. Uh, You're not going to want to miss this at all. It was a great conversation, especially for people that are aspiring to be filmmakers or even actors. You know, there's a lot of substance in our conversation. Don't want to miss any of that. And that starts right now so Danny Villanueva Jr thank you so much for joining me man it's been a long time since we've actually had a a real conversation but uh, I I definitely appreciate you taking out the time to be on the podcast Um, you know how you've been you know over this period of time that we haven't spoken or seen each other you know I know you've been uh, up to a lot but how have things been for you in your personal life and stuff
1: yeah, well first off, thanks for having me. This is really cool to be uh talking to you right now. Um I know it's been a decade since we actually had seen each other, so it's really cool um to see your you're active, you know, and doing all types of stuff yourself. Um, but me, uh I mean life has been going. Uh there's a lot of ups and downs of course, but been trying to just stay focused on uh, my career and just going with the flow of what, you know, the world is and what life brings. Um, but yeah, uh, this year has been a little tough for me. I, I lost my mother, um, which was like a really big deal. I was always a, a momless boy. Um, so yeah, besides that, uh, I mean, life's been okay.
0: That's what's up. Yeah, and it it has been a, a crazy year, man. And condolences. I'm sorry to hear about your mother, man. Uh, I know how it is to lose a parent, you know. So it definitely is something rough. It definitely can affect you. Um, but I mean, you got to keep on pressing it on. I'm sure. I'm sure you understand that already. And you know, you have your dreams. And like, the number one thing I'm sure that she would want you to do is to not allow her passing or her not being around to prevent you from continuing on doing what you've, you know, what you love and, you know, what she would have loved to see you continue to grow and do. So uh, condolences for that, man. And, and also everything with the pandemic. I mean, I've definitely felt, uh, you know, the brunt of this as well. It definitely is a big setback, especially in entertainment. Um, you know, you with filmmaking, I'm sure it definitely has affected your schedule. Me, I do a lot of hostings and things that. at, at uh, conventions and stuff like that, pretty much my entire schedule has been slashed, so you know it's it's been a rough year, but i'm not gonna I'm not gonna allow it to stop me from smiling or continue to achieve my goals. you know we're gonna just keep on doing what we're doing so man so we we go back to high school man i i I had no idea that you were into film uh the way that you are uh what got you? into film was it something that you've always been into since like you were a kid is this something maybe later in your life that you stumbled upon what was it that you know had you pinpoint like hey i'm gonna go to college i'm gonna learn how to be a filmmaker and i'm gonna i'm gonna do this thing
1: yeah well it definitely grew um i guess it all started when i was very young uh probably my first 10 years of my life um my uh three older, well, I have many older siblings, but there are three in particular that were in their 20s um, when I was, you know, just a child. And they loved films and especially horror. Um, And I think that's where I kind of, I got everything from. Uh, When you're a child, the line between reality and fiction is kind of, Vague. So when you're watching films, you're not like so sure what it is you're watching. You know, sometimes it's you feel like this might actually be real life, just that you're you know you don't know there's a crew behind there creating this. You know, so all like, you know I think that's why when you're young, fantasy is, films are such a big deal because you're seeing this fantastical side this otherworldly you know life that you you're not used to seeing with you know in your in the real world um and horror is another genre that has that it does have a lot of fantastical elements vampires witches ghosts um and the thing about horror though is that there's something about when you're when you're scared at such a young age i think it it carries you carries with you You, you're thinking about it a lot more than say watching wizards fight Um, when you're alone in your room at night there's certain things that trigger this feeling and it it can really get on your skin and it kind of it it goes along with you throughout your life So, so i think it's like Fear is just this kind of emotion that can be brought back strongly uh, throughout any time of your life, everyone is scared of things. And I think there's a lot of nostalgia that comes with that. Um, Like years later, I'm like going back to these films from my childhood and remembering where I was at the time when I saw them and what I felt and it's just something it's kind of like a a roller coaster uh it's it's this thrill where you know you're strapped in you you know that you're kind of safe but you know you're just scared shitless um and I just kind of fell in love with that and so i'm like huge into like anything spooky and that's where my love of film started with with horror but throughout the years i started to appreciate all kinds of cinema um and i started to learn like what it takes to make films you know what all these positions are uh i've always kind of been the guy carrying around the camera uh, when I was a kid, I, me and my brother would skateboard all the time. So it was just, you know, everyone who skateboards, they got a friend with a camera and that's going to film, you know, and I would cut together skate videos. Uh, and I've had a lot of like passions throughout the years. Um, I was super into basketball, super into skateboarding, for example, but a lot of those things kind of, like, faded away. I wasn't completely um, set on that being something I was crazy about. But filmmaking always stuck with me. And over the years, it just grew stronger and stronger and to the point where I'm, like, obsessed with it. And I think to do something your entire life, you really do have to be obsessed if you want to give a hundred percent, like you're going to dedicate a lot of your time um, to trying to be great at something. But also filmmaking is not an easy thing. Like it, there's so much involved and so much, it's a never ending learning process. And what I love about it is that every new project is, so fresh it's like you're starting a whole new kind of career it's like when you're I'm a writer director so I start off in the writing process and a lot of people say write what you know but I think that's it's counterproductive because there's so much to learn you know if there's something that intrigues you you can spend all the time you need and want to research it, learn about people and cultures and things and bring them into your story. And it's like, there's so much discovery that goes on uh, when you're writing. And then when it comes to production, you're meeting new people, you know, you're, you're finding all these, these talented artists that you're bringing together to create this one piece um so it like it really really excites me and i if i wasn't filmmaking i don't know like i'd probably be super depressed <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what else i would do I, I don't really have too many other interests that i'm crazy about
0: yeah i i definitely feel that man especially the um how you were saying, like the nostalgic feeling of of the experience of watching films. You know, uh, I like horror films. I wouldn't say they're necessarily my my favorite, but I can recognize like the thrill. It's almost like people that um, love going on roller coasters, you know, or or love haunted houses or whatever it may be. It's just you you know that everything's going to be okay for the most part i mean there's a slight chance that things could go wrong things you know things can always go left in any situation but for the most part
1: and actually break into your house while you're watching the
0: movie <laughs> right you know and i mean if you're gonna go out anyway like if you're gonna go out by the hands of a serial killer i guess maybe that would be <laughs> like the most poetic way for it to happen but I, I I definitely agree with you know just things especially being young loving things like I've always loved like comic books and and stuff like that uh so now especially you know I've gone through you know a bunch of different things too like skateboarding too uh you know things like that that you kind of adapt to through your peers and things of that nature but that one thing that you kind of like that sits in your heart that you remember as a kid. And then like, even like when you you reach your teen years and you might go off and try other things, it's like always gonna have a spot in your heart. And then, you know, you get to the age where you're a little bit older, you're an adult, you have, you know, time to kind of, you know, think about stuff, you know, think about exactly what you wanna do, where you wanna be, what goals that you really want. And then you can, you kind of go back to those original feelings, those things that you loved once before that maybe you pushed to the side for a little bit because you were, whether you're trying to not necessarily fit in, but kind of discover, you know, who you really were or whatever. Um, But what I've been noticing, especially with our generation, a lot of people are tapping back into those things that they truly love. You know, some of it is circumstantial. You know, some people may have gone to school for one thing and then things didn't pan out because of the economy and just how things the, the cards we were dealt with our generation and now they're tapping back in and saying, Hey, I'm just going to try to do the things that I love or they just were always, you know, always on that path and we're going to do that. So I love to see what you're doing. I love to see that our generation is actually trying to make a way for ourselves. Um, so yeah, that's it's definitely awesome. So your, your YouTube channel. So initially you started just making, little videos on your channel is that did that start with when you were in school or?
1: Yeah. So I always made skate videos and then I started to do these little silly, like narrative spoof, uh, skits with my friends. Um, and then once I started to learn the process of filmmaking and I felt like I knew enough where I can tell a serious story without it coming off completely silly. Um, (laughs) I started to take it more serious. So in 2012, I launched Taubazar. It was it started off as a, a web channel uh, before it pe- became my production company. Um, and this was my way of just bringing in everything, every kind of horror kind of content that I loved growing up. So I was big into anthology shows, Tales from the Crypt, uh, Goosebumps, and just Twilight Zone, like all those. Uh, I loved um, ghost lore. So I would watch tons of documentaries about ghost hunting and, you know, urban legends and stuff like that. And I also liked uh, horror animation. So uh, I kind of wanted to just just be able to, I guess, experiment with all those things and create uh, a platform where I can share that with people. So, this was really just made to kind of get out everything that's been inside of me and wanting to experiment and showcase stuff and try to start to build an audience because I know how important that is uh, especially when you're not really connected you don't really have too many connections or anything that's going to get a lot of people to watch your stuff you kind of just got to build your own community Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah I started making short films uh, and these were really just friends and family like one man band kind of films I would do every job. I would operate a camera. I would hang boom mics from the ceiling because I had no one to hold it. I'd use my grandmother for as an actor. My girlfriend, like anyone who, who was there, like they would have no interest in acting. But I'd just be like asking them, like please, you know, begging them, and they would just like okay, whatever. What do you want me to do? Um. So I was doing those. And then I experimented with like documentary style stuff. Uh, I had a segment called Eerie Destinations where I went to uh, places with darker haunted history and just did little uh, informational documentary segments on them. And then I had a segment called Tiny Terracoons. It was very bite-sized, horror themed cartoons. And that was just me experimenting with animation. And well, I was kind of had a, a humorous side. So I needed to let that out somehow. Uh, because a lot of my films that are serious and like horror, uh, not a lot of comedy finds its way into them. Although I have made horror comedy shorts. Um, But I think I kind of needed to get that out of my system too, to see, you know, can I be funny? Um, But, yeah, I I just started to create a lot of content and try to get get subscribers, get people to kind of start to follow me. But the end goal was always to make a feature length film, feature length films uh, as a career. So after a while, uh, they got to a point where everyone's like, "Dude, make a feature. Like, you know, you're you're doing all these shorts for such little money. Come up with some money and, you know, do do something real." And I knew like, I was getting to an age where like, I need like I need to support myself comfortably. I don't want to be like broke forever i need to turn this into a, a somewhat of a profitable career at least to just make ends meet i don't mind living a minimalist lifestyle as long as i can create um so um, you know started to really dive into learning about the business side of filmmaking which is a completely different uh, ballpark from just uh creative creative stuff um so much to it and this is not like it's not something i want to do forever like i do <laughs> business stuff like I, I, I but it's out of necessity i had to produce this myself i'm not going to wait around until hollywood comes and gives me a phone call and says we want you to direct like yeah. i, I kind of got to build your own uh you know build your own Career, your own empire, and you just gotta like, and I'm, and, and like I didn't know anyone, I had no connections, and when I did go to film school, I did meet meet a few people, but I didn't have enough where I can like call everyone and be like, let's make a movie. So it it was s- starting just from scratch basically, like I had to reach out and find. Casting and crew myself uh, to get it started but yeah that's what how how our pictures uh, originated
0: yeah and I think uh and that that's an awesome story you know just deciding like hey man I need a I need a way to be able to get my, myself out there you know release these ideas that I have you know and I mean it, it's working you know I mean, you're, I'm, I'm looking at your channel right now. You're over 750,000 views on your channel, um, you know, tons of feedback from people. And now you're working on your first, uh, you know, feature, feature film, I Dream of a Psychopomp, um, you know, and you're, you're dealing with a micro budget. But I mean, it's $25,000 budget is, you know, coming from where you started getting to the point where now you have a, you know, a, a decent amount of money to, to work with, to, you know, get yourself kind of, you know, in a more professional setting. Uh, and then from there, being able to just continue on and launch, you know, cause it's, it's steps, you know, you're going to go, you're going to start maybe as a minimalist, but eventually you're going to get yourself to the point where more people will recognize. And especially now in the, in this day and age where, you know, A lot of people before we assumed we'd have to go to places like Hollywood or we'd have to move to New York. Uh, But now we're starting to see, especially now with everything that's happened with, you know, the pandemic, a lot of the people in those areas are actually moving out of those areas and, you know, more communities are starting to, to build, you know, over the past 10 years, like we've seen Atlanta grow, you know, exponentially down in Louisiana, there's a, you know, there's a big film scene down there as well. Um, Chicago is not bad either, and you know we're we're in the area, especially you know, in a state like Wisconsin. Um, there's tons of different scenery, and I feel like this could also be a, a next hot, one of the next hotbeds where, you know, filmmakers can actually start to grow. You know, there's a lot of a lot of places you can go for different locations, whether you know you dealing with horror films, you know, there's tons of eerie locations in Wisconsin. We have tons of cornfields, fields, uh, but then we also have cities and, you know, small towns and things like that. So there's tons of different locations for different sets and different scenes that you can deal with. So uh, I'd love to see things grow here more. Uh, I believe they will. I'd love to see actually, personally, I'd love to see maybe even, you know, the government potentially get involved with different, um, not necessarily loans, but different grants and things that they, they give to people in other states like that to kind of build, build up the community here more. Yeah,
1: the big thing is the tax incentives. Wisconsin has none, and that's why a lot of people aren't shooting films here um, with bigger budgets. Like, there's a, there's a lot of small indie films um, who choose to shoot here, but that's the biggest thing. Uh, that's keeping people from doing it so hopefully we can get that over here Um, but yeah I do think that now that you know filmmaking is much more accessible uh, you know you can get equipment for super cheap you can make films for such little money you know before this this film stock alone would cost thousands of dollars Um, and now people can pretty much make a full length film for no money. So wherever they're at, um, they can do it. And yeah, Wisconsin does have a lot of beautiful locations and there are many places in our country and in the world um, that kind of haven't been seen on on a lot of films. So, I mean, there's a lot of territory that can be explored.
0: most definitely. So let's uh, let's get into your film. I Dream of a Psychopomp. So this is written, uh, produced, and it's directed your directorial debut um, by you. Uh, it's co-written by J. Anthony Ramos. Um, so I, I read the synopsis of the synopsis of the film, and it kind of goes back to when you were talking about the types of films that you you loved, like the uh, like tales. Of Tales from the Crypt and things like that, I kind of get that vibe based off of, you know, the synopsis that I read. So coming up with the idea for the film, you know, how did that come about? Were you, is it something, an idea that you had? Did you have like a random conversation with the co-writer? Uh, you know, how did this, how did this idea come?
1: Um, well, I, I, it definitely was born inside of me. And when I try to think about this question, like, not something that I am I, conscious of until I start to reflect and see, you know, what what had brought me to wanting to tell, to dive into this kind of world and tell these kind of stories. Um, but besides me always being in love with horror, this film is different in a way because it's a, I, I would consider it a supernatural drama slash horror, and that's what I, I label it because. The horror elements are kind of secondary. Like it's, it a lot of it feels like a drama film. Uh, those diehard horror junkies might be angry <laughs> when they watch it, and then you know cinephiles who just appreciate cinema might appreciate this. It's like it's kind of. Uh, uh, I don't know. I would, it's hard to like. I know it's a genre film. I know it's horror because there's vampires, ghosts, uh, and, and all that. But like the stories, they're not about that. They just happen to they're re- like reality grounded stories dealing with characters who have problems that anyone could have. Real life, real world problems, but they just happen to exist in a world where you know there's vampires and, and uh, ghosts and you know psychics and but it's about death at, at its core um this film titled i dream of a psychopomp and what psychopomps are they're soul guides so they help transition ghosts that are stuck on earth into the afterlife uh, the Grim Reaper is probably the most popular uh, at least in america of of any kind of psychopomps, but there's they've been around for so long in many different cultures. Uh, Anubis from ancient Egypt was a psychopomp Hermes in Greek mythology um, and shamans they psychopomp they go through meditation they find ghosts and they Their spirits and talk to them and help them come to terms with death so they can cross over um but i've always had that image i love the image of the grim reaper and what he is and um there's this big misconception that he's this big bad scary guy and he like brings death but really it's not what happens you know once you're you're dead then he arrives and He's doing you a favor you know he's, uh, they say that ghosts are on earth because they have unfinished business or they don't know they're dead and it can be like you know just just stressful for them they're not at peace so like these psychopomp figures they help you know get give uh ghost peace um so this is the sense the perspective from a believer me I am I'm open-minded to the existence of ghosts, but I'm very much a skeptic I'm super big into science and I've just haven't had enough experiences to convince myself that there's ghosts so I take kind of approach this as fiction so I look at ghosts as grief trauma, missed opportunities, and just more of a psychological sense that um, the ghosts come from our our minds and the film does have ghosts in in a conventional sense. They're, you know, they appear, they're there. I do follow a lot of tropes of ghost films. But the the characters who are experiencing this, uh, they're very they're traumatized, um, and they have reasons why they're seeing these, these beings. And uh, psycho pumping to me, is helping give closure to people and helping people grieve. Um, And throughout my research, I interviewed a lot of like funeral directors and grieving families um, to try and find a a reality grounded uh, way to approach psychopomping. And I think funeral directors have a a job that's pretty similar to it. Uh, They help grieving families overcome death and psychopomps help. The deceased overcome death. So, one of the main characters is a funeral director, but he's like during his his awake life, and it, and his I guess otherworldly job is to be a psychopomp. Um, but when I start to think about personal, you know, reasons why I, I wanted to get into this. Dark of uh, subject because it's like death is the, this film isn't va- fun to watch like some people might find it depressing although it has a lot of heart there's a lot of like happy endings uh, this is, is, is like touchy it's, it's, it's touchy to get so deep into death um, and before this, I never really experienced the death of a close one, but it had, has always been my fear. Uh, when I was born, my father had already passed away. He was actually murdered and my mother became an addict. And when I was one years old, I was adopted to my grandparents who had raised me their entire life and. Like I said before, I was always uh, a mama's boy, had a super close relationship with them. I probably lived with them about 28, 29 years of my 31 year old life. And my worst fear was losing them. And I knew that their lives weren't as gonna be as long from, the perspective of how long I, I've been living that you know compared to other people my age their parents you know they still have a while before their parents are going to pass away so I knew like it was kind of close mm-hmm. and I was so afraid of it that I wanted to start to prepare myself and I thought the best way to do it is to just familiar familiarize myself with death in the process and try to understand it as best I can. So when it does happen, that I can process it easier. And yeah, just this February, uh, right before the lockdown, my mother was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. Mm-hmm. And I was her primary caregiver. So I spent uh pretty much 24 hours next to her uh, up until she passed on Memorial Day in May. And uh, throughout this time, I was also editing this film. Um, So I think in a way that it it kind of was working. It was therapeutic to me. Of course, it was very painful, very hard, um, mostly, you know, I I had a lot of anticipatory grief leading up to her death. So when it did happen, I almost, I was like kind of shocked that I was able to handle it so well. And I think it was in part due to this film and learning about death and the grieving process. Mm -hmm. And I like think it was just, that the universe had just aligned right where it was to, to, towards the end of finishing this film when I was hit with this. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where the film had come from.
0: Nice. When you, um, and this is, this is just a little side tracking, but you know, I, I didn't have any idea personally that, um, you know, your life experience was what it was. Um, You know, I have certain parallels with my life as well. Like my father wasn't murdered and, you know, condolences for that, but I have never met him. Uh My mother also was uh, still a struggling addict. So I was adopted by my grandmother as well. Um And, you know, she raised me since I was eight weeks old and she passed when I was 20. And one thing, you know, I wish I could have I wish I was prepared for, especially being that young, was dealing with the grief, you know? Uh, it's one of those things where I like. I also kind of knew it wouldn't be that long before it had happened. Um, but, you know, it just kind of shows like a level of maturity and like groundedness that you have where, you know, you kind of, you foresaw something would happen. Uh, So you took the necessary steps to kind of prepare yourself as an individual, you know, and I think that takes a special type of person to be able to recognize things in the future, you know, and prepare themselves in advance because a lot of people don't operate with foresight. And now I try to do it more, you know, just based off of life experiences, you know, not being prepared for certain, certain things that were inevitable, Uh, So I just want to say, you know, condolences, but also hats off to you for, you know, preparing yourself uh, and being grounded enough to be able to recognize and, you know, realize that things are going to be a certain way in the future to prepare yourself. Uh, And that, you know, you being in post while all of this is happening and you being in the editing process, it also just kind of really makes me want to see the film more just to kind of see how, you know, your personal struggles, your personal pain while being in post kind of may have affected the editing and, you know, how some things may have turned out or how you place certain things. So, uh, And a, a, another side note,
1: which is just this weird coincidence, that um, J. Anthony Ramos, who is a co-writer, he uh, helped write, for one of the segments, Uh, we wrote the story together, he wrote the screenplay for it. But this particular segment um, is about a girl who has cancer and she's trying to come to terms with um, her being terminally ill. And both his mother and my mother had been diagnosed with cancer um, after, Writing that it was just this weird thing to me, and I think that it. Well, his mother had has um, beat it, which is super cool. Um, but I think that he probably, you know, this had helped him along the way as well. Like, I feel like art is so therapeutic in, in ways, and um, you know, I don't know, like it's just. It's strange how, how things like that happen, but yeah.
0: Right. How the universe kind of can converge everything together at a moment where you may not have even realized that you were on a similar path, but the project opens up, you know, that in your mind. It's like, oh man, this is almost surreal that we're both kind of experiencing the same the same thing while we were on this path together that we didn't realize connected us in a way yeah yeah that's so how so with the process um you know casting and all of that stuff how how did all of that go for you did you, I know especially writing and having ideas of characters I, I was always intrigued by you know how well some casting directors were uh with certain films or you know certain books that are adapted into film, and then you kind of have an idea of a character, but then you actually almost see the character that you had in your mind. With you, uh, especially, you know, being independent, how was the casting process? Uh, I I imagine everyone you selected you were incredibly happy with, but was it, uh, was it a struggle trying to find people that fit your idea, or how did that go?
1: Yeah, uh, to me, casting is the most difficult part. And I think when people don't take enough time to do it, that it's really evident in their films, Um, because it's so important that the actors can embody the characters. Otherwise, the characters will, you know, they'll suffer. Um, But I use Backstage.com, which is similar to like Facebook, Uh, actors have profiles um, with all their info, description, their reels, headshots, and casting directors can go in, uh, post projects, and then the actors can apply to them, and then you can review their profile. If you think they're a good candidate, uh, you can have them audition, so you send them some sides. it's really hard for me to cast um, there was one role or a few roles that had almost 500 submissions and i will like i was still like nervous <laughs> like, not, hmm. not knowing, like am i making the right decision um and it's mainly because this is kind of new to me and i sometimes get to um married to the character that I imagine in my head and you have to kind of let that go. And like, it's a collaboration between an actor and this character, they're going to join together. They're going <laughs> to combine and that's who it's going to be. Um, you know, when you're writing, sometimes you can have such uh detailed ideas, like what this person really looks like and sounds like, their mannerisms, you know, and not all of that you can capture uh, when you work with an actor. Uh, You try to get your vision to be as clear as it is in your head and translate it onto screen, but there's so much you kind of gotta let go. When you know you've cast someone right is when you're not feeling too married to what you originally had in your head. And you say, wow, this person has this fresh take, or this is better than what I imagined, like they're doing it right and you're you're very satisfied. Um, there's been times where within five, getting five audition tapes or even less, I find the person. I'm like, that's who I need, that's what I want, and I stop searching. There's other times where I'm not completely sold and I need second takes. So I will ask for a second audition to do um, a different portion of uh, the screenplay to see what kind of range they have. until I'm confident, because casting is so important. Uh, So many people say that directing or casting is 90% of directing. I forgot the number, but it's so important. Uh, And I completely agree with that because those characters are who they're what's going to tell your story, not a, a fancy shot of uh, an exterior of a beautiful lake that's not (laughs) that's not going to tell your story you know those do add to it but you know you're really relying on your cast um they're the most important things uh, in in your film uh but i was very very lucky to get such an amazing cast. A lot of the actors are like first-time actors. They, some may have uh, theater backgrounds, uh, but never been in a film. And other actors are like straight from Hollywood films. Uh, one of my leads, Jillian Lebling, uh, she played Tom Hanks' daughter in the Bridge of Spies. Um, So, and she was directed by Steven Spielberg, uh, worked with Tom Hanks, had scenes with him. And her very next film, she comes and works on my set. And I'm like, freaking out. How am I supposed to like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) trust me, she was just (laughs) working with Spielberg. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But she was like super professional and like she cared about the film and the story so much and it was super easy to work with her and like Mm -hmm. what i hear from everyone else is that like indie film sets aren't too much different than uh big budget films only thing only difference is uh the scale like Mm -hmm. you know bigger sets you can hire more people pay people better eat better food you know so i totally got that from that experience um And then there's a lot of actors who i like had no idea existed and were nearby too um a lot of them are from kenosha and man they completely blew me away like there's so much hidden talent out there and they're just like looking for opportunities and you know some people have trouble trying to but acting i feel like it's so hard to get cast in any kind of role like there's so many people out there submitting and you know you're like this character is so specific that there's only one or two or a couple people that can really play this right and trying to find them is difficult you know So I feel for actors. They have to be on like a constant grind and, you know, really be hustling to get jobs. Like I know people who are just auditioning daily and like going, taking the train to auditions and just busting their ass because they want it so bad. And, you know, that's what you have to do. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I love working with actors. I love the feeling of casting someone right. I love being on set or even rehearsing and starting to see things come to light, uh, wardrobe fittings, you know, just anything that is getting closer to the character, uh, it's just such a good feeling. But I find casting to be the most stressful, but it's there's such a big payoff when, when you finally find
0: that person. Nice. And before we close out here, man, uh, I just wanted to know, like dream, dream project. Say you have an unlimited budget. You don't necessarily have to give me like a concept, but who would you want to, who would you want to work with? Uh, maybe co-producers, um, lead actors. Ooh, that's difficult.
1: Um, like it really depends on the project. Like some of my favorite actors, uh, I, like, try to think, like, what if I was able to work with them? And I'm starting to think, like, wait, like, they're just, like, I don't know if they would fit in some, some what kind of films because, you know, a lot of actors are character actors or, like, they have certain styles that kind of have to work with the tone of your film. Um, but, I mean, I guess some of my favorite actors, Joaquin Phoenix, it's amazing. Um... Let's see. Uh, Jay Gyllenhaal. Um, I don't know. There's there's so many, and, and it all mm-hmm. depends on what kind of film I'm making. Like there's a lot of newcomers too. Uh, Ashton Sanders. Uh, I really dig what he's doing. I would love to work with him. He's a younger dude. Um, there's a lot of names i can't even think of either i'm just seeing faces, <laughs> but yeah i don't know it's hard to 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 think about that but like you know like i would love to work with roger deakins the cinematographer i just love his work but like i would i feel like i would it'd be too i'd be too intimidated by him that i wouldn't <laughs> i wouldn't be able to like work with him by I don't think I don't see myself like telling him what to do. <laughs> <I'm> just, <right>? <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I don't know. I'll just I think it, it, it really all depends like project to project. <laughs> um,
0: Perfect. So well
1: kind of
0: a weird answer, but <laughs> No, I I the especially like um I mean, you mentioned Joaquin Phoenix, Jake Gyllenhaal. They're both, like, very versatile actors, so I could see how those could be your picks because you could, kind of any scenario, any kind of film, I could see they could work themselves into, especially Joaquin. He's incredibly versatile, so.
1: Yeah, and I think that them in particular, why I chose them, because they tend to do a lot of films that I really enjoy, Mm -hmm. and I could see them just, existing in a world that i tell i don't know something about you know what they can do and how they can you know convey so much through just their eyes and there's a lot of lot of things that go into why i feel that way about them
0: nice so i dream of a psychopomp um we're looking at fall of 2020 is the release date still on or is are we looking at maybe pushing it back a little (laughs)
1: I don't know, it's kind of up to what film festivals are starting to do um, and when it's safe to go to the theaters because I need to do a theatrical run, like that was my intention. I don't want to go straight to VOD Uh, and we're creating a score that's made to be performed live for special kinds of event screenings. So. It's really up to like the vaccine. If you wanna know a release date, <laughs> look at the release date of the vaccine <laughs> a Good, good idea.
0: right. No, I definitely feel that man well i'm I'm super excited. I'm super pumped. Um, if you do have a premiere locally or anything, please let me know because I definitely want to show up and you know in support, man. But thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to talk to us here. Um, is there anything that you want to, you know, shout out or anything before we end?
1: Uh, no, um, just, uh, if you want to like share links to, uh, the Facebook page and the website to get people, um, so com. you can sign up for the email list, um, and that'll keep you updated with the news, and when the phone's going to come and all the other, uh, complimentary like content that's coming uh that goes along with the film uh, up to the release
0: perfect awesome yeah and you definitely want to sign up for that you get a nice like high res poster of the film as well when you sign up i got mine in my email so you definitely want to have that and use that as your wallpaper because it's it's a pretty dope graphic so danny man thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to talk to us man everybody stay tuned i dream of a psychopomp is coming soon uh depending on you know the whole pandemic we'll get a release date soon but please check out the website so you can stay up to date with everything that's going on danny man thank you so much again uh we'll be in contact if you ever need anything in the future when it comes to maybe promotion when around release time anything like that just let me know i'll help however i can all right
1: well dude, thanks so much,
0: Corey. Of course, okay. man. Up oh, you too, bro.